When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Hello and welcome to another edition of Off The Bench. Rob Beaver with you. Pleasure to have your company on this Saturday morning, wherever you are in the state of WA. Paul Hazelby, he's back from fishing. He's back from lobstering, whatever it is that you do. But he's not here, Adam Papalia. <laughs> he's not here. I'm glad to be in the chair with you on this uh, Saturday morning as we're out of lockdown and uh, hopefully getting back to uh, life as normal. Just some different parts of the state, of course, uh, a bit different to others, but we're on the right path, which no, is good. we absolutely are. And in all seriousness, um, Hay's not here today because he's dealing with a, a family issue, so we wish him um, all the best. Now, big show coming up. Uh, Suzanne Adar Adam Papalia is the new chair of the West Coast Fever. She caught up with Hayes and Carl earlier in the week. We'll have that audio for you. Lots happening there. Obviously, a new chair, a new GM, a few other things that we'll touch on as well. But before we do anything else, we have to get into this. The Dig. Dial before you dig. The essential first step. Don't dig yourself into a hole. Lodge a free dial before you dig. Inquiry. Adam Papalia, I always give the guests the new ball. What would you like to have a dig at? Well, there's a lot to have a dig at. I think this week, uh, Nick Kyrgios, one of them, I was hoping that he was he was on the right track, that he was moving in the right direction, <laughs> that he was going to be a new person. Uh, but when it gets back to actually playing tennis, he's still the same old Nick Kyrgios smashing rackets and uh, stopping play and arguing with chair umpires. Did he deserve it? What was he in his service motion? Because a lot of people love to bash Nick, and I may or may not be one of them. But Yeah, that one he didn't. He didn't. He didn't yeah, deserve that one. No. But the one uh, yesterday where he smashed his racket and threw it up into the stands, uh, not great. Nick, uh, pull your head in again. I can't believe we haven't really even kicked off the summer of tennis yet. We're not at the Australian Open, and already he's creating headlines. Uh, my other dig, I think it's probably, look, I know it's been a tough week for everyone. We've been in lockdown. There's been lots of restrictions. But given we haven't had any cases, I would have loved to have seen us even just having a small crowd at the AFLW Derby mm. on Sunday. Um, we've gone back. Everyone can wear masks if you go there. Work on the four square metre rule around Fremantle Oval rather than just the blanket. doesn't matter on the size of the venue mm. of 150 people. Uh, I, it just doesn't quite make sense to me. If we're, if we're going on the four square metre rule in other places, let's open it up to a few more um, given how well things have gone so far. As long as people social distance and as long as people have their masks, it's going to be a low-key build-up, of course, to the AFLW Derby given it's only had two days of build-up, but um, it would have been nice to have just a, just a small crowd in there. Yeah, I, look, I can see both angles of that absolutely we'd love a crowd we'd love the atmosphere particularly for a derby uh, i don't know if there's such a thing as being too careful uh, but at the same time you don't want to be too liberal in a lot of things that you put in so unfortunate but uh, as you say the way it is now speaking of lockdown people went out and panic bought last yes, sunday they did first and foremost stop panic buying you don't need to second of all by the way first time i've ever been to the shops last monday 
the fruit and veg section was empty. <laughs> it goes off. What are people doing? Anyway, the point being, I go to the shops yesterday morning, do my weekly shop on a Friday. Shelves are full. Lovely. Fantastic. Uh, many stores are putting in place, obviously, um, limits for certain items, um, bread, toilet paper, et cetera, et cetera. So I go in, get to the checkout. All the things go through. Last item comes up. It's pizza bases. A two-pack two pack of pizza bases, right? And the lady goes, no, you can't have that. I went, what? And she said, no, you can't have it because you've got a loaf of bread. <laughs> and I was stunned. I looked at her and I said, I don't understand. And she goes, they're both bread products. <laughs> and I said, surely not. Surely not. Surely not. I like. Have you ever seen anybody go, you know, husband and wife perhaps, love, sorry, we're out of bread. Just give me two seconds. I'll defrost the pizza bases and put them in the toaster for you. <laughs> They are surely they're different products. So what surely. did you decide to go with? Did you decide? I to... took the bread because oh, it was just... already scanned in, in the trolley. <laughs> but I would have liked the pizza bases. I can't believe that they're classed as the same thing. But I've had pizza for oh. breakfast many, many times. No, in there's my the youth. difference between pizza for breakfast and pizza is toast. Um, I look. I, I'm all for. I understand what's doing. I didn't put up an argument that was that big. I was just shocked more than anything that someone told me it's bread products and a pizza base is classed the same as a loaf of bread. That's what shocked me during the week and a small dig because that doesn't quite seem to me like common (laughs) sense which is the favorite phrase of our premier mark mcgowan in the last seven days that was my dig dial before you dig the essential first step don't dig yourself into a hole and fair to say that's something that the west coast fever did a few months ago with some breaches there'll be three games behind and a whole raft of fines and other consequences for those breaches suzanne adar is the new chair of the west coast fever she'll join us next off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Paul Hazelby still MIA for the moment uh, up in the northern part of our state, taking care of some family business. We wish him well, but perhaps earlier in the week, Hayes, our very own, of course, and Carl Langdon caught up with Suzanne Adar, a name that some people may not be familiar with, but she is the new chair of the West Coast Fever. Of course, a lot of things have happened in the last six to 12 months with that club and indeed with the code generally. Uh, Let's hear what she had to say earlier in the week. Obviously, there's uh, been a fair bit going on at your club and you are new to the fray. Just tell us what's been happening behind the scenes before you took on the challenging role. Well, I've been on the board at the Fever for two years and I'm immensely proud of the club. It's it's a wonderful organisation to be involved with. And one of the key reasons that I got involved with the Fever is I believe strongly in supporting these amazing elite athletes. So that was my uh, initial desire to join. But also as a board member, your role is to oversee the governance of the organisation and help the performance of of the club and manage some of the risks and compliance. So that's one of the other roles that I had. And in that role, we've been very busy, let's say, over the last four months, dealing with the uh, the challenges that uh, presented themselves last year. With those challenges, you've been as open and as transparent as you can be to a point with your uh, supporters and uh, your sponsors mm. and those that are so near and dear to any sporting club. When it comes to the issues that have arisen, what have you done? What have you changed to make sure that this never happens again? That's a good question, Carl, and it's something that, you know, we've spent a lot of time considering and planning and talking about. And really, it's it's action that demonstrates, you know, how committed you are. So 
the first thing um, that we did was to do a complete governance review. So that's a fairly boring statement, but basically it means that we had a look at all our systems and processes and procedures to work out exactly what went wrong, where the mistakes were made, and to really learn from that to make sure it can never happen again. So really going into the club and having a look at how we do things and the way we do things and where that failed us. So to make sure that that doesn't happen again. We're also looking at um, some education in the club for both on the court and off the court in terms of, of the compliance issues to make sure that everyone's fully aware. And then also I think we're going to be looking at, at culture to make sure that the club's culture reflects who we really are and put integrity and courage at the very centre of everything that we do because it's an amazing club and it's full of you know, a, t a team that is so committed um, we just want to make sure that we make them as proud of us as we are of them. How's it been received from the players, but also the supporters and your main sponsors? Because it was quite damning today to read that, you know, your club did admit to actively offering players accommodation, travel, jobs and the use of cars. Has there been much backlash internally? Paul, you know what's, what I found really um, encouraging is that, that that our partners and our sponsors have been really supportive of us. Um, one of them reached out to me this morning to congratulate me on the role, but to also say, look, you know, we, we understand what you're, you're going to do and what you're trying to do and what you will do, and we're supportive of, of that. So that's been really encouraging. I think we are very fortunate to have really rusted on fans, um, and I believe and I really hope that our Green Army will be out in force this year coming. We hope to have at least seven home games compared to none last year, and so we're really hopeful that our fans will stay with us. The, the reaction that I've had from my peers and colleagues, um, you know, in business and the community has been really, really supportive and very encouraging. So I feel there's a lot of goodwill in the community for us to, to move forward. I think, you know, we've owned up, we've fessed up, we've admitted our mistakes, we've taken our medicine, and we really are keen now to, to move forward and to focus on 2021 because it's going to take all our energies um, for a challenging season. And let's hope we can just have, have some games here in WA. More of Suzanne Adar, the new chair for the West Coast Fever, coming up. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Adam Papalia with you today, but we continue our chat with Suzanne Adar, the new chair of the West Coast Fever. She caught up with Hayes and Carl earlier in the week. And you're going to start three games behind. What about the playing group in regards to trying to keep them together for the long term? I know a lot of their contracts, they have committed to the club long term, but um, is there any fallout potentially from that that maybe the perks that they were expecting might not be there? Uh, actually, it was a very interesting exercise last week. I joined the players at their induction um, to have a bit of a chat with them. And what really surprised and delighted me was that they have understood that we are determined to move forward and they are doing exactly the same. And and one of them shared a, a view and she said, look, Suzanne, you know, in sport, you have disappointments, you know, you fail, you don't win a grand final, but you pick yourself up and you move on and you sort of focus on the future. I found that was really encouraging for me to say, you know what, we are going to pick ourselves up and we are going to focus on the future. So the team are really, they're right there. They're, they're focusing on the training. We've got three players in the Diamonds squad, which we're really excited about. And they're heading off to New Zealand 
in February this year. So the, the player team are really tired. I mean, one of our values is unity, and I think that's been demonstrated over the last sort of, especially over the last four months. But, you know, they're, they're all right in there. Suzanne, the West Coast Eagles have been implicated in this. Now, I know that they have been wonderful partners of the West Coast Fever, that there's been a lot of girls that have been engaged in community programs and uh, they have been paid, I think, to perform those duties. Um, have you got anything that you can tell us about the relationship between the West Coast Fever and the West Coast Eagles? Carl, I think probably you summed that up uh, pretty well. I can't really say anything further to that, but they have been a a terrific partner over over the years um, and very supportive. You know, they've got a strong, iconic West Australian brand and I think that's been, you know, very helpful to us as we have developed our brand in Western Australia. So, no, they have been really fantastic partners and, um, and their CEO was fully supportive of us recently in the paper and that we are managing the issues that we are and um, that's about as much as we... We needed to say. Will the relationship continue? Oh, I hope so. I definitely yeah. hope so. I think, yeah, that would be my... We, we, Hopefully we are going to be going into this season with all our partners with us, and that's certainly been what my understanding is. We haven't had anybody that's sort of turned around and said, we're not going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. We're not going to you know, stay with you. I think everyone wants to see us restore the confidence um, of our fans and rebuild our reputation and, and become the club that we we believe we are. So I think all our sponsors and our partners and our stakeholders have said to us, we believe that you are going to achieve and to deliver going forward. So we'll stay with you. And that's been really gratifying, I have to say. Susan Adar, they're the new chair of the West Coast Fever. Paps and I will preview the big cricket match coming up later tonight after this. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench, Rob Beaver and Adam Papalia with you. We've touched on Breadgate off the top of the show. We've heard from Suzanne Adar. Now it is time to talk about the thing that's actually happening this weekend. It is the Big Bash final. It will be tonight at the SCG. The Sixers and the Scorchers. I feel like these teams have played three times in two and a half weeks. I may well be right. Uh, Adam Papalia, the final, we've had to do it the hard way. We've had to win a final in Monaco, and it should have been, of course, here in Perth. Talk us through how you see this game playing out. It's been a little bit tough to get a, a good read on it because the games between these two sides haven't been all that close. The Scorchers won the first one against the Sixers here at Optus Stadium by 86 runs. Uh, the uh, Sixers won by seven wickets with seven balls left the next time they played, and then in the playoff uh for them to get into this uh, big final. Uh, the Sydney Sixers won that by nine wickets, and they really dominated us mm. in that game, uh, the Perth Scorchers. Of course, I'm talking about... Look, the Scorchers got a bit of form back uh, against the Heat, a dominant total it was. I mean, to be at one for 189 when the rain hit off 18.1 overs was quite incredible. Uh, no Jason Roy. If he's not in the final, I think that's a big loss. I mean, he's, he's got that big game experience. He's played in World Cup finals, so he would be uh, fantastic to have there. Um, but if he's not right to go, Cameron Bancroft did a pretty good job mm. yesterday in a partnership with Liam Livingston. Um, you could put Josh Inglis at the top of the order as well, but I don't think the Scorchers will change that. If Roy's not there, Bancroft will probably open up again. Uh, Philippi's a key wicket. Mm. If we can get Josh Philippi, I think, uh, early 
uh, and early wickets are always the key. If Berendorf and Richards can, can strike early, I think that'll put the Scorchers in a, in a good position. Give me your top run scorer and how much they score. I'm actually going to go for Mitch Marsh. Mitch Marsh, yeah, Mitch solid, Marsh, yeah. solid. Uh, he's had... He hasn't had much luck through this tournament. He's given out a couple of times. He could have had 300s if he had correct Cops, umpiring. Got to fine the other day uh, for getting a little bit frustrated at the umpires. I know by saying that Mitch Marsh top scores that uh, you're losing that at least four wickets, a couple of early wickets. <laughs> but I think if Roy's not playing, they do the same thing. Bring Mitch Marsh in at three if we get off to a reasonably solid start, and then he can just go bananas and get uh, get the Scorchers to a big total. So uh, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box to go with Mitch Marsh. I'm going to go Livingston, not only because obviously of the um, the game on Thursday night and how dominant he was. I think 72 of 37, I think, was his, his final score before he eventually fell. But the few A, he's in the zone, and B, there are few players who enter a zone quite like Livingston in the sense that he's not only in the zone, he thinks he can hit everything for six. Some shots are really ill-advised, but when they come off, it's a beautiful thing to see. I think he'll make 50-plus easily. Uh, bowling figures, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back Richardson for a five-fer. Five? Five-fer. Well, the scores is definitely winning for yeah, five. I think a five-fer is well in play for Richardson. I'll go with uh, three wickets for AJ Ty for not too many. Uh, just putting aside the bad blood from the last <laughs> match he played against the Sixers, uh, and he'll get James Vince out nice and cheaply, hopefully. And uh, look... Is there any other option? We have to say the Scorchers win, don't we? It's been a roller coaster season between these two teams, as you alluded to off the top. But at one point, the Scorchers, in that game, they lost at Monaco. I think they were maybe one for 100 or maybe no wickets for 100, about 10 and over off um, the first 10 overs. They go on to lose that game. I feel like at the best, no one can hang with the Scorchers. It's a matter of whether or not they can deliver their best tonight. Sixers have been the best team right throughout the tournament. But I'm with you. Got to back the local team and we'll uh, we'll be barracking for the Scorchers to hopefully bring it home. And look, these two sides have been so successful through the BBL. It's been a couple of years since the Scorchers have won a championship. So hopefully we can see them back there and lifting the trophy again. Fingers crossed for the Perth Scorchers. That's all we've got time for on another edition of Off the Bench. Thanks for your company. Go the mighty orange and we'll catch you again next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.